Welcome to the Party Pro Toolkit, sharing stories and ideas to empower participants and producers of nightlife, festivals, and burner culture. Greetings, this is Melina Liu, and you're listening to the Party Pro Toolkit. The House of Yes in Bushwick, Brooklyn has become recognized as one of the most iconic, immersive, and inclusive nightclubs in New York. Their consent program alone has earned well-deserved reputation for its effectiveness. Almost every night of the week, you can find an eclectic mix of performances, queer culture, fantastic costumes, and music from across the board. To me, the House of Yes is the first venue I've experienced that successfully captures the feeling and the ethos of Burning Man inside of a building. The history of House of Yes is a story of perseverance, but also a successful example of an underground arts collective moving into the professional realm. The current venue is their third location, but the first of which that is a public, licensed, and legal venue. Anya Saposnikova and Kay Burke opened the first House of Yes in April of 2007 as a live, work, and performance space. They hosted classes, performances, and dance parties with a small group of resident artists. In less than one year, the venue burned to the ground from a kitchen fire. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But unfortunately, all of their equipment, their sound system, the costumes, everything was destroyed. Within two months, they found a new location, twice the size. They had a community of supporters who assembled to help them fundraise and build out the new space. After five years of developing and recreating their multi-use venue, they were forced to leave the venue due to an unreasonable rent increase. Once again, they had to start over. This time, however, they decided to move out of the underground and bring in additional partners with the right experience, Justin Ayon and Ilan Telmont, to help them create a licensed venue. More fundraising, more building, more community collaboration led to the opening of the third and current House of Yes. I met with Kay Burke at the Edition Hotel in Times Square, operated by former Studio 54 owner Ian Schrager and the home of their new dinner theater performance called The Devouring, A Marriage of Heaven and Hell, hosted at the New Paradise Club four nights a week. Our interview took place on March 8th, 2019, just before the first private dress rehearsals. I just wanted to um, tap into why you personally do this work. What's brought you? I don't know why I do this work. Okay. That's a very loaded and broad question. Right? I, you know, I've been doing this since I was 18, 19, 20. So it's not something that you necessarily have a direct intention. You don't go to school for it. It's not like, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be mm-hmm. a thought leader, arts and culture, community advocate for creative direction and venue, nightlife, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's not really, I don't know. I, I, I know I do this because it makes me happy and it's mm-hmm. good work and I love people and I'm an artist and that's why I do it. I yeah. don't know how I ended up doing it. That's perfect. The why is what it's all about. Yeah, I just um, do it because I things things happen. I, either I happen to things or things happen to me, and I, things just keep happening. Sure, and it's just kind of following the flow and the momentum of like being adaptable as those things happen. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your background in performance? Because from what I understand, you and Anya both have performance backgrounds. Yeah, so 
My performance background is very outsider artist. I've always been interested in more the acting and the character and the clown approach to things. The Anya's actually Anya's actually Russian. She was born in Moscow and comes much more so from ballet gymnastics and a very trained technique. And mine was more running around in the woods playing imagination games where you're making up storylines and characters that last days. I mean, you want to talk about OG immersive theater? I was doing that shit in Ontario, New York, in the woods sure. with my friends or just by myself yeah. and just having, you know, basically your own escape the room scenario <laughs> experience. Uh, but that's kids. It's just playing. It's just imagination. So really my performance background, I fell into by becoming friends with Anya. I was... Um, you know, as far as a, a dancer, circus person. And I had a, a previous friend, Marley, in, uh, what is that, middle school? Yeah, kind of, yeah, that weird middle school period uh -huh. where we were just making plays and performing them for our class. You know, so we had this sort of outsider artists even then we weren't really in the theater program we were making our own we were like the independent theater club that was just two friends making weird art videos with my mother's camera so that's I mean a little long-winded but I mean that's I can, some that's yeah. some old-school stuff uh, as a professional ish person in New York it was really coming from my background in fashion design and myself as a visual artist mm -hmm. and then that translating into costume design and that translating into character work and that translating into circus performance and stilt walking and then doing aerial but I've always been um, not the most graceful ballerina in the troupe so I definitely found myself uh, really thriving with writing and character development and hosting and acting. So that's the kind of performance that I love and that feels feels most exciting and real to me. Excellent. And what is it that uh, connects you to this city and this place that made you want to work in back here? Um, you know, I just, I grew up in New York. I actually wanted to go to Philly. I didn't give a fuck about New York City. I... I'm from Ontario, New York. It's a small town, and it was cheaper for me to go to a SUNY school, SUNY meaning State University of New York. So it was cheaper for me to go to an in-state school, and FIT, which is in New York City, had a fashion program. So I ended up going there. I mean, it wasn't like, I I mean, I'm sure, I, with my middle school friends, maybe would have, you know, girl talk slumber parties and talk about wanting to move to New York. Yeah. But that was a daydream. You know, that was just a bullshit daydream. I didn't really care. It was very scary. I found New York to be very intimidating. But you knew Anya since middle school. Uh, high school. High school. High school. Okay. And, you know, we New York became... We ended up visiting New York together. It seemed pretty obvious that we should move to New York. We were kind of doing our own thing, but it felt good to do things near or with each other so we both ended up going to fashion school actually in New York and that's that was our first moving here which was in 2005 oh, so wow. New York was quite different then it is 
Current year is 2019. Um, <laughs> for the record, star date. Star date, and yeah, so it's been it's been a while. So I don't know why I did nothing. Uh, the question being, what made you want to move to the city? I don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. I was just saying, what connects you? What connects me what to connects the city? You to this place? Okay, what? what connects me to the city now versus? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was more. What connected or drew me to the city? Sure. Just answered that. What connects me now is a basically a variety show. It's an immersive variety show of random people and random shit in your face every day. The and it variety is the, show that is new. The variety show of humanity, of yeah. like the human condition. And the richest people and the poorest people and the everybody in between obviously and the laziest and the most ambitious. The city is grueling and challenging and not the easiest and most comfortable place to be in. So you really, it attracts all these people that can thrive in complete discomfort and because it's, it's really real. And I've been to other places. I've never lived in another city, so I can't really speak to that, but I've visited other places and there's something about New York and New Yorkers, the people that live and, and share the city, they all just kind of get along, deal with it, you know? It's, there's a real kind of respect. There is. For, there's a, there's this uh, unspoken code of, hey, cool, at least we're doing this. Even if you disagree, even if somebody stole mm-hmm. your seat on the train, everyone just kind of figures it out, gets along, and it, it feels like... A little bit we are the world yeah and I've had someone explain it to me that it's you know really people are having to live in such close quarters like that they're literally just living on top of each other yeah that there is you know this is why people don't look each other in the eyes as much here it's because it's out of respect for the close quarters and yes. the space that you have to share yes 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 it's that yeah it's like that's a really interesting point one of those random you know lift pool conversations and someone parted on me I was like wow that's yeah. very insightful yeah and people just end up I don't know so that's what connects me and Jaws yeah. I'm, I think it's because I'm inherently just really interested in humans humans they're are fascinating interesting. Yeah. they're interesting <laughs> they're so fascinating so uh, yeah so how did um, how did you and Anya what was that like transitioning from friends into business partners because I feel like this is something that a lot of people, you know, are experienced or working through. So how have you made that work? Oh, I think we're still figuring it out. I think yeah. you always should be with sure. any sort of partnership. Um, it happened so gradually that it's not, it wasn't really a strict division of labor, but we all, I'd say between the two of us kind of have found and are still finding our strengths in yeah. how that partnership works. And, oh, I'm really good at writing this one thing. And, oh, I don't mind doing a budget sheet. Or, we both hate doing budgets and receipts, and so why don't we, together, hire somebody who can do that? Yes. And so, you know, but but just being able to, being able to have those, um, yeah, just those conversations and kind of work it out and also support each other and grow, but also not force somebody to do somebody something that they don't want to do and have no interest in getting better at. Yes, and that, that is, seems to be a, a theme and a thread of, you know, not even just with partnerships, but in teams and dynamics in general, like letting people lean into their strengths. Yeah. Putting them in positions to be successful. Yeah. 
letting them fuck up, but not yes. too far, not too hard. Uh, there's, but also my, uh, this is actually a, a relationship advice quote that a friend gave me, but it was, don't go to the hardware store to buy oranges. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, what? That is a crazy thing to say. She's like, no, don't go to, like, you wouldn't go to the hardware store to buy oranges. Don't be looking for emotional availability from this, you know, from this person who's just like a hardware store. Yeah, or someone who just, yeah, doesn't have the capacity They're not that to thing. Yeah. They're not, they're, but if you want a screw, they, you got that. They have plenty. <laughs> if you want a screw, go to If you the want a screw, store. they got that at the hardware store. If you want oranges, go to the grocery store. Like, but you can't be mad at the hardware store for not having oranges. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned from moving from these underground spaces into becoming a licensed venue? Oh my God, find a partner who wants to do it and knows how to do it. I'm so grateful for our for our partners, Alon and Justin, who, okay. uh, you know, had the experience. And I, I, um, little story time. I sat with Anya on my roof and told her I wanted to not do House of Yes when we lost our second space, and uh, we we're looking for, you know, there's it was a couple days after. It was pretty traumatizing to lose the thing you put, you know, five years of your time and money and passion and. Yeah. Life and identity, you know, it becomes a part of your identity when you're a business owner and, or, and an artist. So it's not just a business where you're doing something to make money. It's your, it's a lot of identity and your social, your entire social circle. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's a creative child. Yeah, it's a creative it, baby that you've been raising. It's also a yeah. bubble. It's a, it was, it was a complete bubble of our own life you know it wasn't really expansive it was very contracted and concentrated you know me and Anya's life into this one building so to lose that building was pretty devastating for a couple days and given the conversations and options of no we got to keep this going for the community you know we need us and we did not want to continue being underground it was just too much risk. The city, the policies were changing, so it was not worth it to be legal anymore. So we knew that we had to level up and get legal and get licensed. So that was that was definitely part of the conversation, and I was down for that. I was down for that revolution. Sure. However, you know, as business partners with Anya, I had taken on a lot of the more organ- organizational stuff at times like contract writing and calendar management and a lot of the operations that were were making money and Anya is a very talented director an incredible magnetic force as a performer you know sure. and as a as a director one of those energies that's like loved and feared mm, you yes. know as I shared a, the elevator with her on the way up here and I was I definitely felt that ah, wait you did <laughs> I did, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> did you meet her before? I met her briefly with Matt Namer at House of Yes, like, gosh, probably at least a year ago. It was for the okay. Christmas, uh, okay. the Christmas performances. Okay. Just so briefly. Sure. Um, yeah, so I do, I specifically, I specifically, um, sat her down. Well, it was a few days. I, I wrote it out, I sat her down, and I told her I didn't want to do House of Yes, because you know what, I did not, I was really sick of doing paperwork. 
and not exploring my own artistic vision. And I, I did feel, I did feel like the House of Yes was actually holding me back from my own art. Like you needed to hire the appropriate people to take on those things. I don't or? even think no. I don't even think of that yet because okay. there was not enough money to hire those people, so that wasn't really an option. Got it. And but even hiring those people means managing those people, which means you're still caught. You're just in another cage. It's just a different design of a trap. It's not actually freedom. Sure. So freedom to me meant being solo and doing my work in different weird places I mean I'm, I'm like I could write a show and develop any, something in a park like I could go to Paris I could you know I could work at some other nightclub I didn't really we didn't have a nightclub we had a warehouse we had like a circus theater warehouse that would throw illegal rapes it was not a nightclub and so I wasn't really that interested in taking on the burden of liquor licenses and permits and insurance and a lot of that I've just had absolutely no interest in and I so I, I told her this in so many words try not to blame her um, but also letting my freedom and my needs be known and then and she said she she was really chill about it even though she told me later how like hard and, you know, it's kind of shitty to have your business partner want to pull out. But it basically, is asking for a breakup if you've ever been in a relationship. And someone's like, sure, we yeah. need to talk. This isn't working for me. And then she did have to smack some sense to me. She's like, you don't know what you're saying no to yet because we don't even have any offers on the table. Like, we're just talking to people and we don't know. And you know what? I need you. Like, I want you. Like, you are about, like, this is important to me. This is this could be really good, Kay. Like all these things you're worried about, they might not even be a worry because we don't know who our partners are. We don't know. We don't even know. You don't even know what you're saying no to. And she was right. I was really having a devastation, a reaction to the devastation of loss and a lot of questioning and doubt and a lot of desire to be more independent and not running and not having the responsibility of not just Anya, but our main staff of, you know, at that point, six people, and then a whole community, a really tight-knit group of resident artists that were probably, oh, 25, and then a community of fans that were, at that point, in the thousands. Yeah. So that's a lot to maintain and take responsibility for. And I was ready to just say, you know? I can imagine it's overwhelming just thinking of the transition and the unknowns. Yeah, you know, I think it was funny because I wasn't even thinking about the unknowns as much as it was just assuming. Mm-hmm. You know, I was assuming a lot of... I was assuming things were going to be the same. Yeah. Or worse. <laughs> like I, to, I took all the things I didn't like and extrapolated them into a multiplication of... If we're going, because everyone's so jazzed, like, this is great. How CS is going to be bigger and better and crazy. And I was like, no, I don't want any of that. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, so then, yeah, I don't know. Then we decided to do it. I stuck it out. We met Justin and Alon. They were very promising. Uh, and they, have op- they had opened a nightclub before? Never. Okay. They had done bars and restaurants. With capacities, well, with capacities lower than 74. Oh, wow. Right. So 
having a background in bar and operations and liquor licenses and, and construction along, you know, a lot of experience with construction. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. I mean, saved us tons of money, you know, because it's, you know, it's a collective. We're all just saving each other money. Like, that's sure. a business, true business partnership. It's like, let's get resourceful. And we're all feeding the baby and we're not taking food out of the baby's mouth. Like, we're all just trying to... You know, raise a healthy child. Raise, raise a healthy <laughs> citizen, a contributing <laughs> positive person. Um, but yeah, so Justin, Justin came. Justin is a, a musician, drummer, percussionist, and in, uh, had worked with myself and Anya on some theatrical productions, and introduced us to Ilan, who was his cousin, and so. That kind of happy family became one, and we went into business and kind of just figured it out as we went along, because even though we all were coming to the table with experience, none of us had ever done anything exactly like this before, or a nightclub that had a large capacity, or a marketing plan, or a music program, or, uh, you know, the things that a nightclub has, we've never sure. done that. And we didn't even know. It was so young. It had that sort of youthful naivety because there was so much we didn't know that we didn't know. Yeah. Right? And were there resources from the city? No. I mean, maybe, but did we have time to apply? It's and kind go, of just no, I mean, one step at a time. Yeah, I mean, we had, some resor- we had some friends at the FDNY that came and were very uh, generous with their time to consult, you know, be like, all right, all right, this is great, you should get one of these, this is how this works, this is what this means. We were very helpful and, you know, helped us be, helped us pass our stuff and helped things be safer. Do you know what I mean? Like, act like literally, it's like, okay, cool, there are rules because places burn down and people die. Super into going by the code. Yes, and it, it's it. not just a thing about control and regulation in that sense, but it's literally because it's life you know, or death. dangerous things can happen, yeah. and you're putting a lot of people into tight quarters. Yeah, it's life or death. Um, so where, can we touch a little bit on where the name of House of Yes comes from? Um, Anya and our friend Kaylin thought of it. I, I mean, I don't okay. know. You have to ask them. And was that uh, something that came with the first space yes. or okay so the house of guests has been the name from the beginning yeah we almost changed it when we when the house went down we almost changed the second space to action adventure but then we tried that for a week or two but everyone just kept calling it house of yes mm-hmm. we're like no no it's action adventure now i think that's just because we're taking acid and this like, like concept of action adventure <laughs> action adventure is that thing that you embrace when you don't want to do the thing you know, we all yep. have some and sort of idea. Yep, the unknown lead. again. Yeah, th- yeah, there's the unknown, but also there's just laziness. Mm-hmm. There's something of, you know, when you want to cancel going out to your friend's birthday because it's all the way across town or whatever. You know, just those, you just rather sit. And yeah, that when you want to kind of go into that lethargic thing, mm-hmm. but you just decide action adventure. Like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> We're going to do this, and it's going to be fun. And it's going to be action God and adventure. God damn it. <laughs> There's also, like, a soccer. I have, like, a soccer. I have a lot of different personalities within myself. But there's that sort of talking about this now, and this feels kind of like soccer mom. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> get in the minivan. We are going somewhere, and it's going to be fun. Damn You're it. You're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to enjoy yourself. <laughs> action adventure. You're going, and it's going to be great. 
<laughs> so that's how, yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's one take on it. But yeah, actually mentioned it's like a positive, yeah. It's still, it's still it's an still, element. It still has a lot of yeah, yes. It still has a lot of yes. Um, yeah, no, it's called that. I don't know why. Excellent. Um, so one thing that I've noticed as um, a fan and a participant from across the country yeah. is that you have a great consent program. Yeah. And I would love if you could tell us a little bit about that and all of the different ways that House of Yes creates both um, a safe space and consensual environment. Um, or I guess consent education. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I guess uh, I'll start at I'll start at the beginning of the consent program, and then we can. Yeah. So the consent program became a necessity because after a few months of House of Yes being a thing, and eventually all your friends, uh, they're not there every single party, every single weekend, every single day of the week, right? You start getting a bunch of strangers coming to your nightclub who might not understand. Uh, that you're not really, you're not really just supposed to grab strangers' butts for your own personal pleasure. And this is becoming a problem because this is not how we roll and this is not why we built this thing that we do. Well, sometimes people confuse what free expression means and they Uh, don't think about that, you know, meaning free expression but not imposing on others. I mean, there's so many facets of the conversation. I mean... We could talk for two hours about the consent program, but the, you know, from getting complaints and people like, oh, House of Yes used to be fun, but now it's a grab fest, creepy, creep city, not interested, no thank you, one star Yelp review. I mean, it's kind of devastating. So were you getting the feedback in that way? Yes. We were absolutely doing damage control from private messages, actual reviews, and it was thanks to our customers, our guests for actually saying something actually saying something and a lot of it was constructive feedback, a lot of it was like hey, like a private message is so sweet because mm-hmm. they're not trying to drag you through the mud of the internet, they're just trying like hey guys, love what you do love what you are um, you know kind of bummed to see where this is going uh, Hope just wanted to let you know because as a business owner and as somebody who's a you know, semi-public personality. I don't get the same treatment when I walk through the dance floor. I've absolutely been grabbed. I would absolutely wear the sluttiest stuff. And, you know, it gets once in a while that sort of treatment. But I, it also doesn't ruin my night personally. And, you know, I have the power to kick that person out, which I have. Sure. Those other people do not have, they're not in the same position of power to be able to do something about their uncomfortable experience. So it kind of, you know, it, it really, that's why we had to empower the audience through the consent program, uh, which is basically stepping, allowing ourselves to be available as staff and security for our patrons to come and report somebody who's a creeper. And not just a creeper, like, oh, that guy looked at me funny, necessarily, but definitely, you know, just really terrible physical physical experiences. You know, people being, yeah, you know, harassing. 
like so, sexual harassment. And I know that um, you list it on the event page when people buy tickets. Mm -hmm. There's also visible signage at the entrance. But you also have a, a community of... Consentacorns? The Consentacorns. Yeah, so yes. those are special. So we learned a lot. A lot of our um, strongest consent policies started at House of Love which was a very sexy themed party, but as we developed the creative, the concepts, the activations, all of that boundary pushing, sex positivity mm -hmm. of that party concept, we had to back that up to protect our audience and support them, empower them, and protect them with a consent program. And then this consent accords, who at first, you know, we, we learned a lot from actual sex parties and play parties. Uh, obviously there's consent if we we don't have a, a closed list of invite only everybody's vouched for it's a public party at a public nightclub sure so, so that differs right which greatly. you know it's huge difference so we had to uh, you know first party we had people sign consent agreements at the door that was taking too long so then we have a speech also people don't read it People listen to somebody in a nightclub, especially if they're in a costume. And, and that's arts with the performative aspect. Yeah, the performative aspect of really getting people amped and excited about consent. Uh, so we changed, updated that and then realized that, okay, great. You got these people talking about consent at the door. Everyone will just agree. But guess what? They just want to go into the party. And once you're in the party, people are still being... You know, like once in a while we get this complaint of some of some dance floor grabbiness and somebody somebody just, you know, by the time they drink alcohol for two hours, forget everything about that consent greeting. Let's be real. Sure. So that taught us to re-examine and brainstorm and try out the consent accord program, which puts these uh, these trained consent leaders in the room roaming the party who are available to take complaints and reports and and do basically conf conflict management, uh, restorative justice to a, mm -hmm. a, to a respect, uh, you know, in a, in a immediate, immediacy, uh, harm reduction. Harm reduction, yeah. nonviolent communication. All the, all yeah. the, all those buzzwords. And then, and also be preventative Harm, harm reducive with their own observations, right? So that means that mm -hmm. they're also scoping out the party, looking for that person that looks so uneasy mm -hmm. that they're not even empowered to talk to a consent person, I even think, if they've yeah. been told, even if they've read it in the ticketing, even if they got told it at the door, even if they saw the poster in the bathroom and on the wall and everything that we're telling you, it's okay, it's okay, like get consent you never know when you're in that really awkward situation mm -hmm. and you're caught off guard your your systems and your senses sometimes can work against you well it can be a little bit of a deer in the headlights situation where it's hard to know how to respond yeah and um and i think that that's a really big piece is like just having eyes on the dance floor of people um like when I would do my parties uh, called Interspace in Arizona, I would just pick out those people in the community to say, you are a knight of this dance floor and you have oh, every great. ability yeah. to step in 
and mediate as needed and I am like counting on you to yeah. be eyes on the floor. Great. And you know, I think that there's something really powerful to empowering members of our community, of the people who are going to be there anyway and giving them um, you know, some choice and agency to say, okay, yeah, like this is actually my job, even though it's not an official role, like I'm also here to watch out for safety. Yeah. Yeah. And just general generally, I mean, a lot of what I never thought I'd be doing with my life and yet here I am is raising holding holding the culture of nightlife to a higher standard. Yeah. Really nightlife gets a bad rep because it's been controlled, directed, uh, creatively directed even, uh, by people who don't really care about humans as much as they care about money. And they don't care about yeah. nightlife as a cultural... What would you call... What was the word? It's kind of like a... Not a cultural institution, but a... Uh, something. Cultural asset or um, capital, like you know that you can have social capital and cultural capital. It's cultural. That's not yes, it about is a cultural. Money. It is a financial capital. It is something that it is something that needs to be um, protected mm-hmm. and respected. And so, yeah, I feel like there were clubs back in the day, not too long ago, that did that. And, you know, for whatever reasons and financial barriers and social barriers, a lot of times they were run by men. And there's a lot more women in positions of power in the circles I've been in recently. And maybe that's because I am a woman. But even when I go into other companies and and see their team structures, I'm meeting a lot more women than I... Than I... Feel like used to be in those sorts of structures. Yeah, there's yeah? definitely a shift taking I'm, place, and it's really exciting because yeah. I think that uh, what I've experienced and observed in nightlife compared to festival culture mm. is there's a lot more. Of, there has been a lot more of this. Oh, well, this is the way that things have always been done, and this is what works. Therefore, this is what we're going to do. But yeah. I think that with more um, Burning Man culture really creating roots in these different cities and these you know yes at the burning, burning man burning community man, burning man festival directly yes that is actually i think that that's been a major influence on nightlife and what our expectations are yeah and um i think that's been a major contributor in addition to having having it be safe for more women to come into these positions and what, what's your experience been like as you know, nightclub owner as woman. Oh, you know, and, yeah. super natural. Just yeah? a piece of cake. I'm being so sarcastic <laughs> right now. As a woman working in that, there's... It's still a challenge in certain situations. And it really depends on who's in the room and what the subject is. And it's, uh, it's not perfect yet. And by it, I mean... The system, we we do not have equality. Yeah, and it's um, it's the truth, you know. There's a lot of I've been, you know, I didn't I didn't personally grow up with a lot of wealth, but 
but I come from just the mere pri- the pure privilege of myself being a you know a white person uh, who's you know relatively skinny because even there's you know size bias you know mm-hmm. and I'm American like I've got a lot of shit going for me and you know the fact that I'm a woman is you know one thing that it's like it's worked really well for me in certain situations and it's gotten me opportunities and as a performer that worked out really well and you know women Mm -hmm. are a hot commodity in nightclub entertainment and you know that's something to be considered and now that I'm have been and continue to be developing myself as a boss ass bitch you know there's a lot to be there's a lot more that I'm learning currently about gender dynamics Sure. And is there anything in particular, like any tactics that you'd like to share? Just having good allies, just aligning yourself with, you know, hashtag not all men is definitely, and you know, especially when you're talking (laughs) more from a businessy perspective, but there once in a while you'll come across somebody in a meeting that is just interrupting you and doesn't even know it because they're just so used to not hearing women that they just don't even know. Mm-hmm. But there's somebody else across the table. Usually it's a male ally. They'll be like, oh, excuse me, she wasn't done yet. Continue, Kay. You know, and there's some... That's so important. So it's actually like figuring, yeah. out, figuring out who your allies are and the people that respect you regardless of what's in your pants and like are super down to elevate you and actually sometimes have to put a little extra effort mm-hmm. into making sure you're heard and making sure... Hey guys, let's make sure KCC'd on this email. Her voice is really important. And I've added her back into the conversation. Yeah. Or like, you know, just, you know, those people that are going to invite you to have, you know, I love that term, a seat at the table. I think mm-hmm. that's so appropriate. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, get get those allies and know and know who know how to know how to tell when someone's got your back having those conversations to help bring awareness to our male allies to be like hey so these are some of the things that we're dealing with and kind of empowering our friends to step in and step up for each other yeah and i had my you know my roommate was saying like man i'm really noticing this woman in my office keeps getting spoken over and talked over and I don't know what to do. Oh, wow. And so he and I actually talked through some of those techniques like wow. some like you're saying. Echoing. Of, yeah, I'm like, like excuse me, I, sh- I don't think she was finished yet and it doesn't need to be a confrontational thing. It can be just very much part of the flow and check someone in a soft way Yeah. that they might oh, actually catch their own behavior Yeah. and pattern to say I'm sorry she's not finished. Yeah. You know, or not even I'm sorry, but she's not finished can you let her yeah. speak? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's something there's something we said for you know regardless and this is for this is for people of all sorts of underrepresented sure situations and identities is the biggest piece of advice and my biggest aha moment was know your shit and like if you are gonna people already don't take you seriously like you know like 100% they, they're like oh they're like 80% good but you know it's like, you know what? You have to work so much harder. Yep. And, but, you know, it's like, okay, it's fine. I know it's unfair, but guess what? Do the work. Like, if you feel, if you feel like, oh, I'm not heard because of X, Y, Z, it's like, okay, well, show up to the table with something that is 100% better than the person next to you mm-hmm. who feels so comfortable 
you know, because they get all that privilege and they're just, you know, they're getting that promotion no matter what they do. And you're like, hey guys, so I really, I did the work and I learned this thing and I know yeah. my, I know my shit yeah. and just be smart and understand, you know, the barriers that you do have to overcome yeah. and work to do that. Yeah. So let's just close out final thoughts. Like, okay. is there anything else that you've learned that you'd love to share with other people? I've learned so much. Always have a mentor and always have a mentee. There you go. And don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Never Kay. hurts. <laughs> never hurts to ask. Oh, you know what? Uh, do we have time to chat a little bit about what's going on here at this? Oh hotel yeah. And place? Yeah, that's why there's all the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but why this is a crazy place yeah, right now? Um, we have been. Uh, we have been invited to be the creative partners and consultants on the uh, the Paradise Club, which is in the edition, the Times Square edition. Okay. And which is a hotel? Which is a hotel in Times Square, and we're doing an incredible dinner theater show and the nightclub curational programming, Amazing. And, which includes. Um, Consent policies, gender-neutral bathrooms, uh, door etiquette. I mean, these these guys know hospitality like Amazing. nobody else, and des- like design hospitality. A lot of what what the addition already is mm-hmm. is great. We don't we're not consulting on that. We're consulting on the vibe. We're basically vibe intelligence thought leaders and really figuring out how we curate the room with the right mix of people. Curate the right mix of music, have the right kind of performance, just all the art stuff to match up, and to like what what was I saying earlier? Holding, uh, holding the culture of nightlife to a higher standard. Yes. And so that's what they do on so many levels with, you know, like I said, design, hospitality, just experience. Is this going to be an ongoing um, yeah. collaboration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when does it start? Now. Now, so it's It's been like- happening, yeah. I mean, okay. we've been we've been consulting and creative directing in, in, in the room when I was talking about this, sure. this tables and those yeah. people. You know, it's like, this is real life. Current, current advice and experience and things I'm, yeah. you know, feeling really respected as a woman in this environment. I'm feeling that my opinions are not only valid, but needed Excellent. and respected and yeah it's really cool it's an incredible it's an incredible experience so if someone wants to come and experience one of these shows they're yeah opening. so Anya actually Anya actually uh, directed and produced the it's called the marriage of heaven and hell based on a William Blake poem the shows will be every Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday okay Unless anything changes, but you never know. And just ongoing and... Yeah, it's ongoing until we feel like we want to switch it up. Great. Well, I look forward to coming back to experience that. Wonderful. It's a beautiful space. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. This project is brought to you by you, the listeners and supporters of Patreon. If you would like to support the Party Pro Toolkit by contributing $5, $10, $20 per month on Patreon, you will help this project grow as we share stories and ideas from party professionals. Support of this project will allow the research to continue in other cities across the country and around the world. 
To learn more, please visit PartyProToolkit.com.